Shining on them, yes, I'm the token now. Real bright, call me the golden child. Look around, I'm the one that's chosen. Look around, yeah, I'm the token. Shining on them, yes, I'm the token now. Real bright, call me the golden child. Look around, I'm the one that's chosen. Look around, yeah, I'm the Good morning, good afternoon, wherever we are catching you, whichever time zone you are on. Thank you for joining us for the She's So Out of Order podcast, where we discuss learning to push through your flaws and perfection rather than hiding them in the dark. In this podcast, we learn how to confront, heal, and deal with our issues as a community. We are controversial, funny, and safe in that order. In this episode, you can't heal what you don't speak. We will discuss the dark secrets, family trauma, and other issues that plague our African-American community. This is your girl, co-founder of the She's So Out of Order podcast, Eureka The Truth. Thank you so much for joining. I am so excited to um, introduce this um, amazing queen that is doing some great stuff in this um, mental health field. Miss Letitia Wood. She is a graduate from Bethune-Cookman University. Um, she has her master's degree. She is currently working on her PhD. So at this time, I'm going to go ahead and bring her up and allow her to just to give us a bit more information on what all she has going on and, and what she's doing in this field. Thank you so much, uh, Miss Woods, for joining us today. Oh, no problem. No problem. So, yes, I uh, so I currently have a private practice in um, Conyers, Georgia, called Inspire Coaching and Counseling Services. Um, I specialize in couples work. I do a lot of couples work at this point. I'm pretty much the only one who's doing couples work with my colleagues. Everybody else has given up the fight on couples, but I'm going to stick beside them. Um, So I will continue uh, to work with them. So I work with them at all dating levels, whether they're just dating, whether they're um, in the premarital stage, I have a premarital boot camp, or whether they are uh, married, have been married for years, trying to figure out if this day last up before divorce. Um, But I also work with individuals, individuals dealing with anxiety, depression, um, people who are um, just in a, a space in life where they're trying to figure out what's next at that crossroads in life, figuring out, you know, do I start the business? Do I write the book? Do I go back to school? Um, just trying to figure out what they feel like there's just this space in life and they're not really sure um, where they go from him, uh, go from here. Um, and then also people just trying to heal past stuff, man. Um, and it's funny, we're talking even about like this whole family trauma piece because um, I, I've been getting a lot of clients that are in this realm right now who are just trying to um, work through familial um, situations and healing through past family traumas, trying to work through parental relationships, healthy, unhealthy ones, toxic ones, and trying to find boundaries. So dealing with a lot of that. Um, I'm also, I just launched uh, my uh, wellness brand uh, with my wellness merchandise, Lumiere, which means light in French. Um, So for my private practice, it's the tagline is inspire the light that um, sparks the flame. And so I kind of took that and played with that uh, for my wellness brand. And so I wanted to play off of light um, and being a light. And so I've I've been doing French for years. So I figured, you know, why not make it a French name? And boom, here comes Lumiere. Um, So, yeah, it's actually I do shirts. uh, I do um, hoodies. I do sweatshirts. I do 
um, canvases. I also do mugs. I do throw pillows because I just wanted to offer up something other than just shirts. I know everyone's not into shirts. So wanted to make sure that I could offer up a, a variety of things for people. Um, so I just launched that. So I'm super excited about that and seeing where that goes. I got some other things up my sleeve, um, some other things that I'm working on as well, um, just in the whole wellness area. So just trying to expand on that because Honestly, I feel like other people have kind of come into the field and started, you know, trying to monetize off of what we do as healers. And I feel like it's time for the healers to monetize off of what we at the work we actually do. So um, so that was something that I, I just recently did. So looking forward to expanding that as well. OK, um, man, I, I'm so honored. I'm I, every time I bring on a new guest, I'm always bringing on some awesome queen that's just doing some great work. Um, they doing a whole, they're going to be big in there soon. I'm sure I just need for them to hire me as security. Um, <laughs> you know, don't forget the little person when y'all make it, but, uh, I'm, I'm definitely just so proud to this be in the midst of so many, um, African-American Queens as HBCU graduates is out here, just really doing the doggone thing for, um, the mental health world. I mean, we are so often just, we're the unsung heroes. Mm -hmm. And we really never get the respect that we deserve. Um, you know, I, I, I normally hate every year when appreciate when teacher appreciation day come, well, the whole week, you know, cause they be getting the free chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A and they get the bongo meal at Chipotle. I'm like, you know, I, I like that too. Can we get some of that over here? We, we go through a lot. We deal with well, a lot now. of secondhand trauma. And we don't get nothing. Can I just get one little commercial or something? Something, especially after something. this pandemic, because oh, this pandemic, man, we've, we've been working overtime, man. And I just kind of feel like we are a part of that, um, you know, first responders. Yeah, we're a first responder and nobody considers it that. But it's like, I don't think people realize like it's to a point where we're almost at a crisis where there's not enough of us to accommodate all the people who need therapy right now. Like, yeah. but we're not having that discussion. So I'm with you. I get salty every year. Yeah, I, I, I hate every year. I'm stuff. just like, listen, I like a free cup of coffee. You, you know, give me something. I like, like a chicken sandwich. Well, thank you. Know? you. I love um, 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 Chick-fil-A, a, a lemonade. I like all that, but it's okay. <laughs> Hopefully they'll, they'll hear us and they'll start giving us that. Um, but just thank you so much for, for what you do. I, I understand, you know, as my second job, I'm a mental health, um, pretty much therapist as well for DC government. And so I do crisis. Mm. Um, so every time people call us, I mean, we have FBI secret service, um, MPD family members calling us and we have to go out in the community, you know, and assess the people in their houses, uh, you know, in the streets, in the hospitals. And you definitely see a, a lot going on and the numbers definitely have raised since the pandemic. Um, you should have definitely seen the calls we were getting when they decided to lift that eviction ban. We mm. had so many people like, I'm going to kill myself. And we're like, whoa, what, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, because now the people want their rent and they owe twenty and $30,000. Unfortunate, um, a lot of that really didn't have nothing to do with the eviction ban, but that's a whole nother um, topic mm -hmm. for another day. I ain't going to bust nobody's balls today. Uh, <laughs> so uh, can you just tell us what, um, to, what, where did you get your master's from? And you're currently receiving your, PG, your PhD. Where are you getting that from? 
Yeah, so I got my master's from Argosy University, um, and I, that's where I also got my marriage and family certificate from. Um, I was actually going there for my PhD originally. I was about two and two two years and some change in when, unfortunately, the school closed very unexpectedly, um, which left me very much confused about what to do next. But Walden University was there, and they were such big troopers about helping Argosy students continue on getting their degrees um, post closing. And so they took a, a lot of my credits and they worked with me so much and I'm forever grateful for Walden. Um, so I'm currently at Walden University. I'm currently in the doc, I'm, and the doctor, I'm currently in the um, dissertation phase. So I'm, I'm on that last leg. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm finally, I'm, I'm over the hump. So yeah, um, yeah that's pretty much it. There. Yeah, <laughs> we, we almost it. there. So the countdown has begun. Hey, let it go ahead. I'm counting down with you. I, I've been mm-hmm. thinking about going myself and I'm like, ugh. I already owe a lot of money in student loans. And maybe if they give me a scholarship, maybe I might go. I, I don't know. But there hey, are I'm, more scholarships for the doctoral level. I will definitely say that. But this is a very ghetto process. I'm not even about to hold you. Like, it's <laughs> very ghetto. Like, do not recommend zero stars. Like, <laughs> this is not for the pay at heart. Jesus. And don't. I know a lot of people just be, I'm like, my God, do I want to put this put myself through this and this stage in my life. I don't know about this. Let me just think about it. Let me see how much money I can make all of it. Then I'll make my decision. Well, I'm, I'm not going to hold you too long. I'm going to go ahead and just jump right into these questions. Um, can you explain why you think why it's so hard for black people to trust anyone? And I don't mean just they don't trust, you know, people outside of our race. Sometimes we don't even trust ourselves. We don't trust the people who we should be able to trust. Like, you know, um, our family, you know, uh, our pastors and whatever. So why do you think that is? Um, I think it's a trauma response at this point. Um, I think it stems, I think it stems from racial things, but I think it, so that might've been where the seed has gotten planted. Um, but then I think it gets watered through continual um, situations of people showing that they can't be trusted, Um, people being let down, people being disappointed, um, people making empty promises. Um, And so every time this happens, it just continues to water that seed, continues to water that seed. And so it creates this thing in your mind because the the brain is always trying to protect us, always. Um, And so when it sees a potential threat, it'll then say, okay, we've seen this before and we know how we felt. So we're going to try to avoid this at all costs. So the brain will make this association. Okay. People have shown you they can't be trusted. So you can't trust people anymore. And they will just group them all into one big cluster and say, even though this is just these people you've experienced it with, it doesn't matter. It's all people. You just can't trust anybody. And that'll keep you safe if you just don't trust anybody at all. So I think it's just nothing more than a trauma response. And it's a seed that's gotten planted and it's gotten continually watered um, through continual situations that continue to feed into this idea, this narrative that you can't trust people and people just hold dear to it. And and people have yet to try to challenge their own thinking and are too afraid um, to try to open up to a different thought process because they are afraid of the repercussions of if someone does do something mistrustful. Yeah, uh, I agree with that 100%. Um, I definitely feel that those seeds honestly started to get planted and watered at a young age um, from something as simple as, you know, a mother or father said, I'll be back. And then they never return. Or I'm going to get you this, this, this toy that you wanted for Christmas. And then they never show up with it. 
um, and just, you know, other things. And that starts that, that, that planning and that growing. And by the time people become adults, they just have no trust for anyone anymore. Um, so it's definitely something that we, we have to learn how to, to work through. Um, it's very important to do what you said you was going to do. And if you can't do it, don't say it. You know, my grandmother used to tell, say all the time when I would ask her for stuff, she'd be like, I'll see. Um, because that was her way for not promising nothing, just in case if she knew that she could not come through on that. So that would be my advice for everybody. Don't make no promises unless you're going to do something because you don't want to be the one that plant a seed in someone and they start to feel like they cannot trust anyone. Um, so my next question would be, what is preventing people from talking about those family uncomfortable secrets? And what I mean by that is we know we just passed Thanksgiving. We're getting ready to come up on Christmas. And we always seem to have at that family gathering table where we got some uncle, some aunt, some grandma, some grandpa, whoever, family friend who has molested, who has physically abused someone that is sitting there. And everyone knows what's going on and what this person has done, but no one wants to address it. Everybody want to act like this didn't happen. We're going to keep, it's like they want to keep the lie alive instead of dealing with it based on so that that person who the victim can get some type of healing from it to know that somebody believes them, somebody have have their back. So why do you what prevent people from from doing that? Ooh, I think um, a, a few things. So first thing I think of is patriarchy. That's the first thing that that comes up to my head off rip. Um, I think we when we look in the African-American community and we look at the reverence we have given to men, um, it a lot of women, especially in those older generations, reverence men to the point that they, they made a lot of excuses for men and their behaviors, and they would never challenge a man on some of the things that he was doing, um, including touching someone that was a child in the family, because you, you, you just dare not address that man, or we would make excuses like, well, that's just who men are, men are sexual, that's, that's just what they do. So we explained it away. Um, a lot of women were with men who were taking care of them. A lot of Black women back then couldn't work. And so they were stay-at-home mothers. So they felt like they had no choice but to stay in the situation they were in. I cannot challenge this man because he done touched my little cousin or because he done touched my niece. I can't afford to challenge this man because if without him, I literally have nothing. So I think there was a lot of patriarchy wrapped up into that. Now, on the flip side, um, I also believe when it was the woman who was doing the molesting and the touching and things of that nature, we over-sexualized it, we fantasized it. You know, we've all heard of that 10-year-old who lost his virginity to a 20-year-old. Like, I'm sorry, what? Like, how is that okay? And, and folks up there dapping each other up, like, oh, that's wild, that's crazy, me too. And it's like, mm, that's, that's actually not okay. Like, that's actually sexual assault. Like, okay. Um, and that's nasty. Okay, just, let's just say that. But we, but again, it, it became a fantasy, you know what I'm saying, for the older woman having a sexual experience with a young boy. Um, so we, that was nothing to talk about because it wasn't a problem. What's, what's the issue? You know what I'm saying? What, what, what's the problem? That boy didn't have him a good first sexual experience. So I think a lot of that has kept people from having conversations about it. And then I think it still stems from... Um, slavery trauma, like, because you, you think about, you weren't allowed to say anything. You literally had to watch 
the master literally pull your wife out every night you know what i'm saying watching him impregnate her and you there was nothing to say you had to watch the master literally rape your children and you couldn't say anything and i think we kind of just internalized that concept and before you know it things pass down through generations and you will perpetuate a very toxic trait and you don't even realize why you're continuing to perpetuate it anymore so i think it just stems from a lot of patriarchy over fantasizing um those those female to young male experiences and then still sexual traumas from slavery yeah there, there was a lot I, I can't remember what show or something i was watching that was talking uh i think maybe it was the underground or something on the own network and you saw where literally the girl is being held down by two slave owners while another one just raping the guy just standing there it's like you know he was scared you know felt like man i'm, I'm not a man and i'm not able to come over there and protect my my wife that's going through this and and you definitely is correct in reference to that i believe it was what's his name is bootsy who talked about how he paid a prostitute to come and do some sexual activities mm -hmm. to his young son and it's like ah uh, that's rape and what sick person would think that would be okay like you do know you could go to jail for that and get a lot of years off that right okay now you have this young man who's going to grow up most likely maybe become a sex addict because he's been you know exposed to this at such a young age and still going back with the female a lot of these females this is why a lot of them are you know they get pregnant at a, at a young age 13 14 years old because they have been molested have been in situations like that because to them they think it's normal you know they their childhood was taken for them their innocence at a very young age so yeah i, I it really bothers me that we do that you know, and we don't want to deal with the person or either take them out back and beat the brakes off them or something, but no one wants to do that. Um, so I know you mentioned um, in your last um, statement about fear. Why do people fear the unknown? Ooh, I think that's such a good question. I think people fear the unknown because the, the first word that comes to my mind is lack of safety. Safety. Um, we as humans want to be safe at all times and again going back to the brain the brain's whole function is keep the human i'm in safe like at all times like i gotta find a way to keep it safe whether it's emotionally safe mentally safe physically safe like i need to keep this person safe and there is no safety there's no guaranteed safety in the unknown there's no guaranteed safety in that we like control right we like to be in control because control equals safety and so there is no control in the unknown you can't control something you don't know you can't control how things are going to turn out you don't know because it's literally an unknown and that is a very scary thought because we can't guarantee that we will be safe in this unknown because we cannot control the outcome or how things are going to happen in that unknown and i think just that lack of safety piece the lack of control makes it a very scary thing i agree agree you know definitely control is very important for for a lot of us there's very few people in this world that don't like control and even with them that don't like control it's still they're living in some form of fear you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid that if I, you know, step up and, and be control over this, I might mess it up or mm -hmm. I might be alone or whatever. So it's it's just a constant 
merry-go-round, you know, a hamster wheel, just keep going and going and going and going and going. So, yeah. Um, now, this right here, I really had to prep myself for this because I really want to go on a tangent, but I can't. Um, this is only a 45 to 60 minute show. Um, <laughs> but this is something that I really hate with everything in my body. Why, why do people avoid things instead of facing them? Um, I'm sure you have experienced like well as I have experienced where you are ask your friends, family or something or anyone about something or can you do something for me or whatever. And they will come up with the biggest lie and the lie don't even be good. They are still do it instead of just saying, no, I am not comfortable. I am not interested. I honestly believe if we count on our hands by saying no that's like maybe a second less than a second but you sat there and you came up with this big fabricated this big story instead of doing that and it's because you were uncomfortable or you know that you didn't hurt someone's feelings and instead of reaching out to them to say i'm sorry i i, I messed up you will just avoid them you won't pick up the phone you won't call them unless they call you and it, it just really hurts me that people do that. Why do you think that is? Oh, I think that's a, oh, that is one heck of a question, honey. Um, I think it, it's one, it ties back into what we just talked about, that whole control and safety thing. Um, a saying that I tell clients all the time is the reward is in the release, not the response. Because we too often put our reward in how people will respond to us. And because of that, we won't face something because I can't, I cannot guarantee how you will respond to me. And that will keep people stuck because I want you to respond a certain type of way to me. And because I cannot guarantee you're going to respond in the way I want you to respond. I'm just not going to face it because I'm too afraid of that unknown. And that has kept people stuck for so long. And I've been really working with people to try to understand, like shift your thinking, stop worrying about the outcome. You have to go into that thing with the mindset of the beauty is just in the fact that I honored what I felt, that I addressed it, that I spoke my truth. That is what matters. That is the reward. That's it. However, the response is, is whatever the response is going to be. You, you got to release that because you have no control over that. So take, take your reward from that, because if you put your reward there, there's no guarantee you will get one. But if you put your reward in honoring yourself and being real by facing it and speaking your truth, you get rewarded every time. And so, I, again, I think it just boils down to not being able to control how people are going to respond to you. And so you just rather not face it because you don't know if it's going to work out in your quote unquote favor. So you just don't say nothing at all. I think the other thing is people suck at having boundaries. People don't have no boundaries. So people don't know how to just say no. Like, and that's something I'm even working on. Somebody wanted me to come over last night, a friend of mine. And to be honest, I didn't want to go. Why? Because it was late. It take back roads to get to her sometimes. It was dark. And I didn't want, I, I was like, I'm tired. I don't feel like fighting with these back roads. So I honored my feelings. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to stay home and put up these Christmas decorations. I think that's what I'm going to do because that's, that's what I want to do. And I'm going to honor what I want instead of coming up with some lie, instead of trying to make her feel better. No, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to speak my truth. And I think that's the other piece. Like We got to learn how to be OK with honoring ourselves, honoring our truths and having boundaries about 
what it is we do not not sitting feeling like we got to come up with excuses to to water it down because we scared at how that person is going to receive it stop worrying about how they'll receive it and just as long as you were true to you that's what matters most uh, definitely you know because i what i have and, and not everybody so i'm just gonna honest i'm just gonna speak for me i have never seen myself get mad at anyone for telling me the truth facts never if you said i asked you something you said no i can't no i don't want to oh okay move it on let's talk about something else but where i have always got upset is when you decided to insult my intelligence and tell me some lie knowing first off as a social worker as a mental health therapist i listen to people five days a week 16 hours tell me lies so i am very much trained to know when somebody is telling me a lie so why yeah. did you do that like why it, it really it didn't you didn't need all of that you just took time out of your life you just typed something that we went back and forth with because me being me i'm gonna bust your balls if you're lying to me i'm just being honest. I'm, I'm gonna call you out because i just want you to know that i know that you a bald-headed lie that's just how i just <laughs> have to work with it I, i'm no you just not because because you insulted my intelligence i'm about to give it to you because that made no sense to go through all of that we really <sighs> have to do that and i i i love that answer that you said be okay with it you cannot because I feel like people do that because they want to keep people in their back pockets. Yep. And what I mean by that is that, okay, let's just say if I'm someone that's always there for you, anytime you ever call me, Tish, I'm there for you. And no matter what, I'm there. But then it comes a time when I need you to be there for me. And here you go with, oh, no, I ain't going to do that. And then you come up with this lie. Because the lie is to keep me to not be upset with you so that I can spin the corner and come back and ask you for something again because I just ain't want to be a real friend and say, you know what, this person is always there for me. They never ask me for nothing. Let me come through and be a good friend to them. We have to stop that. Just tell the truth. It is okay. Ain't nobody going to lie. You mess up the relationship when you sit there and you lie. Yep. Or like you said, a flat out avoid, like literally you will avoid the conversation at all costs. And I, I've seen that with clients and I be wanting to just shake them like you in here complaining about the situation, but you just won't face it. You just won't speak your truth. You just won't say anything. So you out here avoiding them. You ain't talked to them in, in three weeks because you scared to have this conversation. If you don't have that damn conversation so we can just have like, come on now, like move on. Like. Yeah. It's it's like that. Like I, I got, I do a lot of the stuff self disclosing on the show. So me, me, I didn't grow up with my mom. Um, my grandmother raised me. Um, mm -hmm. so you know, I have, I deal with a lot of unforgiveness and so forth like that. And I finally got to a place in my birth. I'm like, Ricky, you're 34 years old. You got to get to a place of forgiving her. You know, yes, she was on drugs. No, she wasn't there. You know everything but you got to get through that it's time for you to heal and move on because you don't want to be so guarded and so afraid that someone's going to hurt me let me down and you don't let someone in that's really going to be there and love yep. me because you still thinking about well that this person that should have that cared me for nine months wasn't there didn't love me then how can i expect someone else to so mm -hmm. i sent her this um long text message because you know how sometimes when we talking to people on the phone we too busy talking instead of actually listening to each other so sometimes it prevents you from really saying all that you need to say so i said let me just text her so she can actually read it and understand exactly what's going on she did not text me back for two months and i'm like so at first i'm like did she not get the message you know and so i'm like 
And I said, no, nah, she got this message. And sure enough, two months later, she was like, yeah, I did get wow. your message. Um, I just you know, needed to sit on this for a while and take it to God before responding. Now, I could have respected you needed to sit with it. You needed to pray to God and figure out how you want to respond to it. But at least send me a text message back saying, I got it. I just need some time to do this. That would have been the truth and it would have been okay. But to sit there and allow me to wonder like what is going on for months wasn't okay. I had to hear from my brother that she got COVID. I had to hear from my brother that she had surgery mm. on her knee just because she's avoiding me off this one text message. We, we, we have to stop it. It's just, it's not worth it. It's not. And I'm sure you as a therapist, you see so many adult children come in and talk about the same thing, how their fathers, their mothers avoiding them about stuff that they have done to them as kids instead of just dealing with it. Honey, I had a session where I had been working with a client and she wanted to bring her father in on the session. And my God, the way that man tap danced in that session, <laughs> I'm talking about that man was river dancing around everything. And, and it was like, I was constantly having to challenge him. No, like we're not going to avoid this. Like you're not here to dance around the issue. Like that's not what this space is for. We're going to face this stuff today. Like you're going to have to face the ugly truths about your past. Because I think that's another piece about that whole avoiding piece. Not only do we avoid having to face stuff for other people, but a lot of times we we be avoiding things we've done. And we don't want to address that. Like that's why some people will never get apologies from people. Not because the person isn't sorry, but because the person is not willing to have to face what they did to somebody else in order to offer a genuine apology. So yeah, there's there's people will tap dance and, and, and run from having to face things all the time, especially when it comes to facing themselves. Yeah, yeah, they do it all the time. And it's just it's, it's just crazy. It's like, you know, if you want healing for yourself, do it, you know, because eventually you're going to have to answer to that, whether you stand in and, you know, I don't know what everybody's religion is that's listening to this, but whatever your religion is, I think we all believe in karma. Um, we all believe that we got the answer to something somewhere at some point in time. So you want to make sure that you can clear stuff. You know, it's crazy that you have people that die, like you said, looking for that apology you know, die wondering about stuff or or they holding a grudge against each other. And then you there at the funeral trying to snatch him out the casket, crying and all of this stuff when you could have made it right while they was right there and talk to them. And y'all could have made up and just, you know, and, and begin a, a great positive relation full of healing. But you you, you just wanted to avoid it. So we got to do better. So here's a, a, a one that I think a lot of people don't even know that this is a diagnosis. So I think a lot of people is getting ready to be educated off this. Mm-hmm. Why don't you, why don't a lot of therapists or psychologists diagnose their clients with APD, avoidance personality disorder? Cool. And you know what, when I saw this question, I, I, I think to myself like, man, it's such a great question. And the reality is, so for those who don't know, avoiding personality disorder. So personality disorders in general, most people are not aware of. The only personality disorder that gets a lot of shine are either borderline personality disorder that we've heard the comment about a borderline. So we, you know, that's one and um, antisocial personality disorder. Those are usually the two that most people have heard of maybe at some point. 
but we don't hear about avoidant personality disorder and it is very chronic personality disorders is very chronic in general like there is not a lot of basically getting rid of them but it's learning how to help clients to manage life with them and with this one it is what it says people are very avoidant but it's not because they are um rude they're avoidant because they are very self-critical they assume everybody is talking about them nobody likes them they're very shy they won't even try to go for any, anything in life because like they truly just believe like nothing no they're always gonna always gonna be criticized they have this fear of criticism and I think the reason it doesn't um, get diagnosed enough is because, unfortunately, even in mental health, and we've seen it in other fields, we've seen it in the medical field, we've seen it in a lot of areas, but in mental health, there are those golden diagnoses that we just stick to. And we'll we'll slap these other ones on people and we just run with those. Like we, we know the ADHD pandemic has been ridiculous. Like, it, I mean, it's so many kids out here diagnosed with that. Like we just slap it on people call it a day. Um, and there's a lot of diagnoses that just go under the radar. And I think this is one. I think because even when I when I when you said it, it's just like, ooh. I'm one of them people like I, it's not a, it's not one of those personality disorders that sticks out in my head. I'm looking for antisocial and borderline like that's it. And you forget that there's literally like eight other ones that yeah. exist and we just don't talk enough about it. So I, I commend you for even bringing that up um, because, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's just not on your radar. We have our favorite diagnoses in this field. And we have a bad habit of trying to fit people into the more common ones instead of taking the time to actually really assess people and look through different diagnoses because sometimes we'll see somebody and we'll be like, it feels like this, but I feel like there's something else. And we just don't take the time to really do the research that we need to do. Definitely. Um, so my advice um, to myself and to other therapists and psychologists, you know, that book that you have that sits in your office, just don't put something on it, actually open it up and look at the other diagnosis so that you can give people the, the stuff because you've probably done added on something that is not even wrong with them. And they probably just needed to be diagnosed with avoidance disorder, but you don't put something else there. So definitely, you know, just it's other stuff and I get it. You know, we want to try to stick to, to the known, but sometimes we have to venture on out and, you know, and tap into some other stuff that might be going on. The world is evolving, you know, Absolutely. and more stuff is happening and we have to be willing to research that and learn how to, to deal with it. So it definitely can push us to become better therapists and better, better psychiatrists. I think even to like, make sure we challenge. Cause I know when I was like a young clinician in the field, I was afraid to try to challenge like the psychiatrist. And I think that's another piece to that. I think people, when they, especially when they work in agency settings, they find themselves, well, whatever the doctor said, that's what we're going to roll with. And I remember one time I had to challenge the doctor, like, that's not their diagnosis. They have something else. I work with this client and I'm telling you, it's a different diagnosis and it wasn't your common diagnosis, but I was like, I'm telling you, this is what this client has. Now that I'm really sitting with her and I'm researching more, her more, she got this instead. We've been treating the wrong thing. So I think the other piece of that is as clinicians, being willing to advocate for clients and being willing to step outside of the box when we are working in certain settings. Definitely. Because um, a lot of people don't do that. I remember I got in trouble maybe about three months ago because I did that at work. Um, yeah, I, I I don't care if you got a doctorate degree. Um, I think this person needs to be here. And this is why this person needs to be here. They overdosed last week. They are doing heroin and they are doing uh, PCP now. 
They need to be in here. Yeah, yeah. They're saying they want to kill it now, but all of a sudden they're saying they don't want to kill themselves. But just last week, we had to pump they good, hit them with a, some Narcan because they were. So, no. And everybody else on my team, nah, if the psychiatrists say don't worry about it and they just need to go to drug treatment, then just go ahead and do what they say. No. Now, I'm okay about taking them over to another facility that have a dual diagnosis, but they need to treat this mental health as well because mainly that's what it is. Yeah, we can. I think a lot of time we work backwards and stuff. You know, it's like I'm going to treat the, the substance abuse. But what about the mental health? The mental health now is that a teen is what led to the substance abuse and the alcohol and the other stuff that they're doing. So, yeah, we we have to be willing to change to challenge stuff so that we can really get the people the help that they need. If not, once again, we just own this hamster wheel. Yep. We're going to keep continue to keep recycling these people in and out of these facilities and they're never going to be able to become su- successful. Thanks. Um, so I'm going to kind of switch things for a little bit. It's still kind of dealing in what we're talking about. Why do you feel the black culture created the no snitching code? Whew. Um, and- it's so funny. So I used to do a show called Exhale some years ago. Um, and With that was- Mello? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I like that show. That was XLI with Tishamello, man. <laughs> I missed that show so much, man, because um just being able to address some of these topics. And that was a that was a show we did one time, like that whole just no snitching. And and you know, the thing is, I I again, and you know, some people will probably be like, girl, you can't blame everything on slavery, but again, I do believe that there are such things as generational traumas that get passed through and behaviors that sometimes is it's not even just the trauma, it's the behavior that gets passed down because of the original trauma, but the behavior stays. And going back to like I said, slavery times, you you had to shut up. Like you weren't able to say a lot of things. You had to watch a lot of things and never say anything. And so then that was how you got your badge of honor. That was how you survived. And so now you think years later, we still keep this up where I don't say nothing. I, I see stuff, but I ain't going to say nothing because, honey, that ain't my business. And you keep that going throughout the years and it, it has just continued to elevate. And so now, especially when you go into like the hood and we have this whole concept of, you know, I may have saw someone get murdered, but then here's the other piece of it, survival. Because that's where it originally started, too, even in slavery. If I say something, I'm going to be the next one hanging on the tree. So I'm not about to say nothing. I ain't see nothing. I ain't hear nothing. Like, my name been in and I ain't in it. And so and when you get here down years later and we're in the hood and, you know, you done saw so-and-so shoot so-and-so. And now the police come and knocking at your door. Don't come over here. I ain't said nothing. Don't, I don't want nobody thinking I said anything because again, if they find out I done said something, now my life is in danger. So I think a lot of it also got created out of just, it was a, it was a safety thing. Like, okay, like I, if I say something, I'm literally putting my life on the line. Um, and I think people just learn, like, I'm going to just shut up because it's going to be some serious repercussions for me or potentially my family if I open my mouth. So I'm, we, so we're literally trained 
to think that we're not allowed to say anything that if you snitch you're in trouble like somehow some way that's going to come back on you that's going to come back on your family and we're not just talking about oh you might you know lose some money no you might lose your life yeah and i think that is kind of where it started to to kind of come in and then, then it just turned into anything well i i know i saw so and so stealing a uh, paper from the job but i ain't gonna say nothing because that ain't none of my business and then so it just turned into everything so you, you are definitely correct on that so I, I brought that up simply because i know probably some people looking like what they got to do with what, what they're talking about um so the no snitching culture thing it, it kind of goes back with what we talked about fear you are you scared to say something because you might lose your life or your family member might be in jeopardy or you might go to jail or whatever the situation and then it's also it's avoidance yeah yeah i saw this now we're not thinking in our mind that if i snitch on peanut that I know just robbed this person, just killed them, that might have kept Mama, Mama Lou alive over here. Because if he killed this person and robbed this person, of course he would kill Mama Lou. But we don't think about that because we, we just gonna avoid it. And I ain't see them just gonna turn my head and whatever, because we are trying to survive, you know? And because I'm not gonna lie, I spent many years believing in that, you know, I'm from the Liberty City, Miami, Florida. So definitely you've done seen some stuff and you like let me shut up and act like I didn't see it. But as I get older, I realize that that somewhat is a toxic trait because we're now losing so many innocent people. You got kids that can't come outside and play anymore because yep. of that. You know, and when we were younger, we was able to go outside and play. Yeah, we you yep. know, it was some guns and stuff was going on. But one, if you killed the kid. Oh, but everybody was snitching. They yep. might not didn't tell the police, but they was going to tell some of the, the big wigs, the people that yep. ran the community. And yep. yeah, they was going to get at you. So you had to turn yourself in or the hood was going to deal with you. Come so on now. we kind of got to get back to that. I mean, it's a lot of family that is grieving. They want to know what's going on, what happened to their family. You know, they want to have some type of closure. But we have to stop avoiding that stuff. This is about keeping yourself safe. This is about keeping your community safe and bringing closure to people. So don't avoid well, I think you that. Bring up a, I think you bring up a great point. That's the thing that nobody thinks about. It's, it's all fine and dandy until you're the one who needs the answers. Until it was your loved one who was lost and now everybody want to be quiet. It's frustrating when you're in that position because then it's like, no, nah, this ain't the time. Like... This ain't the time. Bump that code. Like I need answers. Like we need we need some justice. Um, and so I, I remember my cousin got murdered back in 2014, and I remember just the the beautiful feeling of getting justice when they got convicted. Um, just even when they got arrested, when they found out who it was, because I, I was nervous. I know how the hood work. Like I, I knew we weren't about to find out nothing. And so when, when it started to come together, I felt so grateful. I literally cried tears of joy because it was like, it felt good to kind of get that closure. But I, it also made me sad to think about how many families don't ever get that because there is this no snitching policy. And because everybody's too afraid to say anything, they'll never get that healing that we were able to get um so it is it hits different when it when it hits home yeah it does it does um my next question would be do you believe that people have become comfortable with living in their own pain absolutely <laughs> absolutely 
in their pain. Okay. They have literally made themselves extremely <laughs> comfortable in their pain. And again, they are the, mayor of the pain bill. <laughs> come on now. Okay. They the mayor. <laughs> okay. They the sheriff. All right. Like they run everything. And the thing is like going back to this, this continual theme of familiarity, the unknown, Sometimes pain has been so familiar to people that the concept of healing becomes scary because it is an unknown. You don't know what it feels like to be healed. So that is a new venture. So that's an unknown. I don't know if that's safe. So because it's so even though being in pain is dysfunctional, it's something you know how to maneuver. So you'll stay there because it is familiar. Um, it makes me think of Plato's allegory of the cave, right? This whole idea of these people are, you know, chained in this cave and then all they can see is the wall and the shadows of people behind them. And one person decides to finally break free. And when he gets out, you know, it's like he has to learn to adjust. It's like the sun is bright and you know he's he's trying to learn like these figures that he's seeing and his his vision is trying to adjust because this is all new to him and they've literally always feared this outside and so when he starts to see how great it is it's an adjustment at first but once his eyes and everything start to get adjusted he wants to now go back and help everyone else so he goes back to the cave to save them and they try to kill him because they don't want to do anything different. They want to stay in that cave because that cave is all they know. Even though he's trying to tell them like, no, we feared outside. And there's a little painful part. My eyes hurt a little bit trying to get adjusted to the sun and stuff. But once you get past that, it's beautiful. And they wasn't hearing it. And I think that's how a lot of people are. I even try to tell people, look, as you're going on your healing journey, get ready. Because there are going to be people who are going to be triggered by you healing because you healing is going to reveal to them how healed they aren't and they're not ready to do the work that it takes to heal. So some people are going to be mad at you just because you're trying to do the work to do be better. Um, so yeah, like it, it's just that thing where people get comfortable in their pain. They don't want to do nothing different. They don't want to going back to your thing of facing it. They don't want to face what it takes in order to heal because you're going to have to face something. You're going to have to face some ugly truth. You're going to have to acknowledge some painful thing in order to heal, in order to let go of that pain. And people are just so afraid of what that looks like. That's why people fear therapy because it's just like, oh, what am I about to see? What am I about to find out? I don't know, child. That just seemed like it's a lot. I ain't trying to be crying in nobody's office. So I'm just not going to deal with it. And people will literally stick with that pain just for that. Yeah, I, I often say so many times on this um, podcast, I mean, quite often, every time I talk about different forms of mental health, it amazes me that we will go on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever other social media outlet they got out there, and we will let it all bear loose, tell our whole business, but won't go, won't go see a therapist. Child. And our response is, I don't like when people ask me questions. I don't like to answer a lot of questions or um, I don't want to tell somebody my business, but you just told all of Facebook. I I, I want to believe with everything in my heart, those 2000 friends you got, you don't know all of them. You don't know them. So you just told a bunch of strangers your business. So why not go and tell somebody your business that actually, one, they're not going to judge you. They don't know you. They just honestly trying to, to, to help you. Why not go and tell them and really get the tools and stuff that you need so that you can heal and be the best person for you? But they won't touch it. 
Um, and so you actually kind of led right into the very last question. And this is another one that I really had to say, Rick, behave, don't go on your tangent on this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I go on one in a minute. Why do some people get crucified for not conforming to what society wanted? Meaning that they don't have a problem with stepping up and saying something. You know, when they know that that aunt and that uncle and that grandfather has done what they have done, they're not afraid to say something about it or they're not afraid to to tell the truth, even when everybody else want to lie. Why do they get crucified for that? Because I, I see myself, honestly, I'm all the time getting crucified. You should just, they throw stones at me all the time on Facebook because I have no problem with calling out stuff. I'm like, no, you being extra. No, that's a lie. No, this, that. And you crucified for that. And just like, why? We say we want people to be real, we want people to be honest, but then you try to label these people as they crazy. Um, they um, are, uh, they complain a lot. They opinionated and all this other stuff. When only thing the person is doing is just, they tell them the truth. They're living their truth. And it's like what you just talked about that when you start to heal and you start to become woke, you know, just the whole woke generation right now, which half of these people honestly is still asleep. Facts. And you started to demonstrate that and that the, the right way that you're supposed to be living, because a lot of that stuff that we're doing is toxic. That ain't the correct way. You're crucified. Please, please break that down, because I, I, I got to know for myself. I need to take notes myself on this. Oh, I, I think this is kind of going back to society tries to shape narratives right all the time society is always trying to run with a narrative and they're trying to force people to stay inside that narrative the reality is society does not want us to be free thinkers it just doesn't it doesn't want us to be free thinkers it wants us to conform and it wants us to to stay within those guidelines and they and the reason people get crucified is because it's nothing more than conditioning i'm going to crucify you for speaking out so that way you understand that you are not allowed to speak out. So I want to plant this seed in you to, to tell you if you speak out, we will cancel you. Um, and I I think the, the a lot of the reason for that too is going back to this idea of facing things. If I speak my truth that's against the grain, it forces you to have to look at yourself and your ways and how that maybe actually isn't the right way that you was wrong. You lied to us all these years and you don't want me calling you out for that. So you're going to try to make me sound like I'm crazy for calling you out on your stuff. So that way you 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 get this mass hysteria of not nah, crazy because they said that when it's really just trying to get it's like a magic trick. Like, you know, you see it in plain sight, but I'm going to hide it behind the, the truth and make you look crazy for doing it. So I, I really think that's a lot of what it is society does not want to be held accountable for stuff so it will try to literally make you sound like you tripping and even outside of society even when you come to like a family if you speak out on certain things now all these other people have to face their demons now you got to deal with your stuff now you have to be held accountable for your actions or the things you didn't speak up about or the wrongdoings you did now you have to be held accountable for that but i don't feel like doing that i don't want to face my stuff so i'm gonna make you seem like you tripping because you calling us out for stuff I, I believe that you hit it right on the head i i don't know if they've been looking to make somebody a millionaire to answer that question how she just answered it but if you looking to give somebody a million she just her name is Letitia Wood. <laughs> She she got it. <laughs> so uh uh man, so this has been an amazing, amazing, amazing um conversation. Um, I definitely think it's something that 
does not need to stop here. Um, so I hope that everyone that is listening to this, that we we begin this healing. You know, um, you cannot heal what you don't speak. Mm. It, it does nothing for you while you holding this on the inside. You you got to get it out so that you can become great. It's so many people that is suffering from mental health. It's so many people that is on drugs. So many people that is homeless. And I can go on all day with what people are going through simply because they just won't heal. They won't speak what I mean. They won't they won't heal because they won't speak the issues that they got going on. So we have to stop being afraid of the unknown. That's a part of life. You don't know what's going to happen. But if you're someone that say you believe in a higher power, you have to have faith that everything is going to be okay and that Mm -hmm. you're going to make it through this and you're going to come out better than ever. Your family member is going to come back home. You are going to be a better family once I heal from this. Don't don't do that. You know, we, I don't know if we have realized during this whole pandemic, but life is short. Mm. Life is short. So many people is checking up out of here like nobody's business. Mm. Make it right. Talk about the stuff that needs to be talked about so that you can definitely heal properly. I, I'm hoping that everyone can do that. Um, before I let you go, um, Tish, I would like for you to kind of um, plug your business. Tell us where we can find you at. Um, so if you, they want therapy, if they want to look for some merchandise, how can they get in contact with you? Absolutely. So for therapy, my website is www.inspireccservices.com. Again, that's inspireccservices.com. Um, and then there's a link on there for my merchandise. But if you want to just go directly to the merchandise's website, it is www.lumiremerch.com. That's www.lum. I E R E merch.com. Um, so yeah, check it out. Go get you some merch, you know what I'm saying? And I like I said, I got something for my my, my clinicians too. Um, because they listen, we 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 need something for us too, and I'm gonna have more stuff coming for us as well. But just it's it's really just for promoting people who you know want to get healed or are doing the work to be healed and, and being proud about that. Um, so definitely just kind of pushing that out there. So absolutely hit me up. Okay. Okay. Um, do you have any last words, last advice that you would like to leave to the listeners? Um, yes. I just want to say like one, thank you for this, this topic and having this discussion. I I think it's so needed. And if y'all take nothing away, understand that. Yes. Like venturing into that unknown of healing, it is scary. Um, I've been doing that work for some years now and it is scary. It's always new territories and it is tough having to face some things about yourself. But I promise y'all, it is the most freeing thing when you start to deal with that stuff, you start to tackle these issues, you start to have those uncomfortable conversations and you start to face those things and you speak up about things. It is worth it. Do it. Invest in yourself. Invest in your healing. Um, it will it will be the hardest thing you ever done, but it will be the best thing you ever done. And you will always yield amazing benefits from doing it. It's worth the investment, always worth the investment. Take the time, do the work, um, do it afraid. Don't wait until you're not scared anymore. Do it afraid um, and enjoy that process because it's a beautiful one. Amen, amen. Um, so I would like to just leave you all as always with a quote. Healing doesn't have to look magical or pretty. Real healing is hard, exhausting and draining. Let yourself go through it. 
Don't try to paint it as anything other than what it is. Be there for yourself with no judgment. So I pray that this was a blessing to everyone. I hope that this will begin a long line of, of, of healing for so many people across um, the world. Um, I will have the link to how to buy merchandise from Miss Woods. Um, if you want, if you live in Georgia and you want to get some therapy, I will have that link as well. Um, do you do Zoom? I do do Zoom, so I'm good for anybody in the state of Georgia. Oh, so you can't see nobody outside of Georgia? No, I can't see anybody outside of Georgia. Okay, well, she's she's going to work on that because, you know, she's beginning her process that's becoming a big in there, so she's... <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so thank y'all so much for joining another episode of She's So Out of Order. You all have a great rest of your day. I'm the token now. Real bright, call me the golden child. Look around, I'm the one that's chosen. Look around, yeah, I'm the token. Shining on them, yes, I'm the token now. Real bright, call me the golden child. Look around, I'm the one that's chosen.